Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> We're going to talk today about some fantastic things. Yes, we are indeed. Not much. I just had some lunch. How's your morning been so far? It's been very busy. Renovating my house, cleaning my yard, all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Create, creating change, which is something that we all should be doing more mm -hmm. of. All the cleansing, all the cleansing. Yes, I actually cleaned my room this morning. I had this dire need to do so. And it looks uh -huh. much better and I feel much better for it. Yeah, I think so. I think change is good for all of us. Yes, I agree. So... Look, I was initially going to introduce you, but I think I should hand that over to yourself because who better to explain a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you do it uh, than you. So okay. You want, All right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. All right. Uh, okay. I'm Tony and um, I started off as in retail. I started off in farming when I left school at 15, did a whole range of things. And as happens, we get led along the path and we're often led to take this turn and that turn. And I ended up training as a transpersonal and emotional release counsellor. And that enabled me to spend five years. Um, primarily, wow. it was up to 100 days a year looking at my dysfunctional self and my dysfunctional family dysfunctional. and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, um, and really, it was a gift that I was giving myself never really given much time to myself to look at myself we just sort of grab our stuff stuff that we're given stuff that we pick up and i was just running through life trying to do the best i can um and that five years helped to transform myself and not only myself but of myself all of the parts that make me up um and, and a lot of the work that i did was dream work sand play work body work movement Gestalt therapies, just different things, voice dialogue, you know, learning to dialogue with the voices, the parts inside of us that may be having issues. And that, yeah, it was really fascinating to being invited to work with some, a group of Aboriginals in New South Wales. I live in Queensland in Toowoomba. Um, and started doing some work with a group down there. And it was actually with a drug and alcohol rehab for Indigenous. And so I spent three and a half years working with the staff, which was fantastic, and working with the clients that came through. And then after a while, I went from there into Queensland and worked for several years in Sherberg and Mergen, which is another large um, in, in Indigenous community. And spent time there working with some men. Sorry, that's about two and a half hours from Toowoomba, um, over near okay. Kingaroy. Um, Mergen. Mergen is a small town and attached to Mergen just on the outskirts is a settlement called Sherberg. Um, oh. And now in all of this process, because I was dealing with just a lot of tragic stories that people were sharing with me every day, I realised that I needed to actually come up with some other because to some degree, sharing is one thing, but people results. They need to create change. Um, I don't think that sharing the same story for 20 years necessarily brings a lot of change. It might make you more aware, but it doesn't necessarily change a lot. So when I was confronted with so much violence and stuff in their stories, I realised that, you know, eight, nine hours of this every day, I'll probably commit suicide at some point. And so I ventured off. Um, when I was younger, I used to muck around with hypnosis. I didn't know anything about it, never read a book. 
but I found I could hypnotize people and I'd have them pretending to mow my lawn and I'd be laughing my head off or, you know, something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and a few other things, but this is a family show, so I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> so then I realized I needed these extra skills. So I trained in Sydney um, at a great college, the Holistic College of hypnotherapy. And I, I studied for a year and got a clinical diploma in hypnotherapy. And it also came with um, a practitioner's certification in NLP programming. And I actually found that to be more fascinating. Uh, I think hypnosis is a very simple thing that most people can do if they realize, because we spend all day going off in trance. See, the yes. truth of the matter is I never hypnotize anyone. People hypnotize themselves yep. because we're so and having a daydream if you've ever stared out the window for 20 seconds and lost yourself you've gone into trance um, mm -hmm. when we might read a book we'll drift away and next minute there'll be a movie going on in our head and we've gone into trance again mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of highway driving going out to these country areas some some of them would take me four hours to get to work and often I'd drive along and at some point I'd say hang on where am I mm -hmm. because I'd been drifting off in trance again okay yeah and we all, we, all, we all do that every day. Learning some of these skills actually helped me to get in to help people create deeper and more, especially the NLP. It gave me a different way to look at things. I, I believe every single person carries all the answers and has all the answers to all their questions. We just need to get to a place of understanding that and finding it because it's all inside there. We just need to find it and get it out. Yeah. So the, the NLP taught me, you know, when people came to me with depression, because I have a lot of people come with depression or anxiety, the first thing I ask them to do is teach me how they do it. Like, you know, when it's time to get anxious or depressed, something has to happen. And sadly, because we all speak in three distortions to our language, we generalize, we delete and distort our story that we share with people. I started to realize that that was prolific with everyone, including myself at times, that we tell these stories. So, you know, people would come to me and say, look, I'm always depressed and I would have to challenge them because I love doing that. And the first thing I'd say, like, when you're having sex, are you depressed? Oh, no, 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 no not then. But you said you're always depressed. Like, I don't know about you, but when I go to the toilet, it's a good thing. It puts a smile on my face. Yes. And, and are you depressed then? No, no. See, the language we use is I'm always depressed. So yeah. it's to actually get people to have a look at what they're actually saying and what they're doing, because most of the time we don't even know what we're doing. Most of it is coming from the unconscious. So in the morning, for example, most people will wake up, hopefully, if you're very fortunate. We're the lucky ones, because I say to my son, usually there's at least a million people are not going to wake up today. So we're actually in for a really good day. Yes, very true. You see? Very true. So we have to have a look at what we're saying to ourselves and what we believe because these create some problems for us at times and we need to become more consciously aware. So like I was saying, we can wake up in the morning and spend the first half an hour or an hour getting dressed, organising breakfast, having a shower. We don't have to sit down and work out, now what leg do I have to put in my jeans or what shirt first. It just happens. Yes because we're acting out of our unconscious. And it may be that we're sitting there and we're having a coffee and we're having breakfast and we go, now I have to think about what I need to do today. And then we start to think. And we move into that other part of our brain. 
But up until then, so much of everything that we've done all morning is from the unconscious. It's just all emotion. So I like to think that a lot of with people is to help them become consciously aware of what's happening, along with the choices that they're making as to where they're actually moving their vibration. Happy one. Is it a sad one? Are we going into these loops again? So can I ask? Yes. You obviously mentioned that you did your hypnotherapy and you did your NLP. At what age did you do your NLP? How, well, not, sorry, what age, but how long ago did you actually start the NLP? I, I, started, I started this stuff in my late 30s. Okay. Yeah. So it's a couple of years ago now without giving away my age. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. No, no, no. You no, know, no, no I, I, look, I've been doing this stuff for at least 15 years or so. No, okay, yeah, that's all I wanted to know. Obviously, your length of experience, because I think it's great for the audience to know that, how long you have sure. been doing it. I've known Tony for quite a few years, guys, and I can well say that he's one of the most passionate men that I know. Um, he you. always has a lending ear. He is more than courteous uh, during my own times of struggle to lend um, lend his heart and lend his wisdom, and um, I'm forever grateful for it. So I just wanted people to know that, obviously. Um, but most importantly, I guess, do you want to share a little bit about, I know you mentioned, obviously, you know, you started all of this because of, you know, wanting to untangle your own conditioning and, you know, your family environment and maybe some of the stuff that you grew up in or you've experienced. What really led you on to the spiritual path? Because I guess that's what it is, is the skills and the tools that you've learned have essentially made you more encompassed you into more of a spiritual person one of the best spiritual people that i know if you would um you. so what kind of got you started on the path was there a significant event was there um you know what was it for you okay it was growing up in an environment that fostered um and encouraged me to have a look at my spirituality because uh, i grew up with um, a very quirky and unusual family who I'm very grateful to be part of um, because they were very creative people and they were also, my grandmother was a very spiritual person and drew a lot of spiritual people to her. So as a child, I was growing up where there were mediums at my grandmother's house every weekend channeling and they were having sessions. And one of my, okay. I have some fairly interesting aunts who are known as the Pink Twins from Brisbane. And one of my aunts, Dorothy, she ran a disabled centre called Swara for about 37 years. It ran before they oh, moved no. them to another spot. Yeah. Most, of, most of their information on what they should do and where, where they should go actually was channeled. And their success was very much based on a spiritual path that they followed. It was just a natural thing growing up and... I always had a close connection. My my mother was brought up as a Catholic and, and that was a good thing for her because it actually made me somewhat cautious to religion because it made her somewhat distant from religion going through the conditioning and a lot of the behaviors when she grew up. As she said, if you didn't if you weren't seen at church on Sunday, people for the rest of the week often wouldn't talk to you. And so I look at because I was interested in in religion, but more the spiritual nature of it. Okay. And like I said, having a family that was very encouraging. I remember one day um, I was in my early 30s. I went to my mother and I said, look, you know, mum, I keep having a dream. I need to go to India. 
And fortunately, all my mother said to me, well, darling, if that's what you do, that's what you need to do. And so off to India I went. (laughs) Found what I was looking for over there, which was incredible. So I'm always encouraging people to do what their heart says. We are conditioned so much into this illusion that we believe is reality that's not reality, that what's real to us gets buried in the illusion and we lose we lose often our connection that we all have and that is to the universe our our intuition that guide on the outside we have these five senses what we see hear feel smell taste those types of things and and yet on the inside signals going off we often don't listen to them and i believe they're part of us letting us know which way we should possibly look at going. Now, I'm also a big believer that we're plugged into this universe. We're actually part of it. We're not separate from it. But in the illusion of life, we've created this ridiculous idea that we're separate from it. And yet we're just connected to it. We're part of it. So I look at anything that encourages people to embrace going back to what's real because the rest of it is just an illusion. And every day people are getting tricked by the illusion. We're becoming emotional from the illusion. We're losing ourselves, And we're often distracted to look for ourselves in the areas where, we, where it doesn't exist. So to go a little bit deeper into that, and I guess it is a good time because especially now, like you turn on the news, you turn on the media and it's nothing but fear, fear, fear based stories, you know, and sure. yep. I think that's, part of what is causing a lot of people to feel disillusioned or also for a lot of their paradigms to obviously be shifting out of what they knew or what they thought was real into what is truly real and what they truly need to, I guess, understand and know. So can we maybe, I know you're one that, you know, likes to speak to me about this, you know, and what is Mm -hmm. it you feel is going on in the universe at the moment that's causing a lot of disparage Mm -hmm. between those that are staying in fear and those that are stepping further into love and how can we bridge that gap? Okay. The first thing is I feel that we have to know thyself. That's the big one. And most people don't know themselves. They think they know themselves, Mm -hmm. but they really don't. They just caught up in the illusion. We also need to understand that the universe I believe is unfolding as it should. And we are all doing exactly what we need to do, regardless of whether we're resistant to it or not, because we're here to learn. The thing that I have discovered is, firstly, everything is unfolding as it should, because we're now in the age of Aquarius, which is about discovery. It's about awareness. And people are now actually stepping into having greater awareness of themselves, their environment, Uh and what the influences are. And to lead people back to understanding what they really are. When I ask people to fill out a form, it's interesting how so many now have become identified and believe that what their job title is, is what who they are. It's just something that they do. If people really understood what they think that every individual on the planet is, is a fantastic creator. And we are creating every single thing that is coming into our life that is leaving us, we are responsible for. The thing is, most people do not have the awareness that that's what's going on. Because they're the illusion of life. 
And, you know, I'm working hard these days when I talk at some spiritual churches and groups and things to help people to understand that there is nothing going on outside of them. Everything that you are creating, your dramas, your depression, your insecurities, everything is happening on the inside of you. And if I can just give you all, while we're talking on this, because it's really important, I feel, just a little bit of an understanding about what I'm really saying. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Go okay. All right. So just imagine I was doing this at a church recently on a Sunday morning at a spiritual church. And I said to everyone, I was standing in the middle of a crowd. And I said to everyone, I'm going to ask you, and I want you to just keep the answer to yourself until we come back. I said, firstly, I'm standing here, and that's what you perceive. I'm standing in the middle of everyone, and everyone can see me. So I want you all to first get a sense of where do you see me? Then the second question, the second trick question I asked everyone was, where do you hear me? And of course, everyone's looking quite strangely at me because they're all going, well, we can see you and hear you. So first question, and I said, now, who actually believes that where they see me is where I'm standing out here on the floor? And put their hand up. And I said, I need to actually point out to you today that sadly, all of you have failed on that question. And I'm going to give you some signs proof and back up what I'm about to tell you. I said, it's important to actually see me standing in front of you physically. I said, it just is impossible. And here's the science. There is a light shining on me. And there is an image of me over to you. And that image is passing through your eyes. And I'm being displayed on your retinas on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. So the truth of the matter is the only place that you can actually see me is on the inside of you. The illusion mm -hmm. is that you're seeing me in front of you, but it's not possible to actually see me there. The only place that you can really see me is on the inside. So they all had a bit of a look on their face. I said, let's move to the second. <laughs> you hear me. And once again, the illusion is that you're hearing me standing out in the middle of the floor. But the truth and the science to go with it, it's not possible for you to hear me here. The only way that you can hear me is when the sound waves from me are projected towards you. Those sound waves pass into your ear canal. They run down and you actually hear me on the inside of you. You cannot yep. hear me anywhere else. That's fair, yeah. You with me? Yep. So then I asked them to have a look at all the other things. Where do your tears come from? Where does the feeling of anger come from? Where does the feeling of depression? Where does the feeling of joy and Every single thing comes from the inside of us. Internal, but, yeah. the but the illusion of life has everything on the outside. So it's no wonder that people are finding no satisfaction, joy, and very little success in achieving all of the things outside of them. You see, you, I hear people saying, you know, when I, when I planned to leave school, I was going to be happy because that's something happening on the outside. When I got my first house, I thought I'd be really happy. That's on the outside. When I went on that holiday, when I had that relationship, when it goes on and on and on, when I make my first million, whatever. Everything is on the outside of us. Therefore, it brings us limiting success yeah. because the true power of everything that really impacts us and affects us is what is going on on the inside. And the truth is there is nothing going on on the outside. You mm -hmm. have a look. Next time you become emotional, any of us, 
It's not happening on the outside. It's happening on the inside. And so we have attached so many other untruths and, and illusions to this. Because once again, if you can actually fully understand this concept that I'm sharing with you, that there is nothing at all going on on the outside, even when we pray, our connection is actually on the inside that we're making. It's yeah, not exactly. on the outside. You see, everything I'm just sharing with you is to point you back inward. If people would stop looking up to the stars and start looking down inside, they would find that we would move further along as a species and where we're going because we're being missed. Yeah, Nothing is going funny. on on the outside. Your true happiness, your true joy, the answers to all of your questions that you seek do not lie on the outside of you. The only place you'll find them is on the inside. But we're constantly misled to follow this belief that everything is on the outside, but I think that's largely linked into our consumerism. You know, okay. so many things would go broke if we didn't continue to think that spending money and buying the holiday, buying the house, buying the car, buying that wedding ring, buying all those things on the outside, if we took all those away, our society dramatically. So for those who don't understand this concept, and I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. So, sure. you know, in people that are in war-torn countries or people that mm -hmm. are experiencing you know, large amounts of tra tragedy and whatever else. How would you mm -hmm. speak to them in regards to how we can manage our internal world while something mm -hmm. may else might be reflected on the external? Do you know what I mean? That doesn't necessarily yes, I do. bring... I do. Yeah. I empathy, firstly for ourselves. Then when we have empathy for ourselves, we can empathise with other people where they're at. It's having an understanding. You know, I, I'm a firm believer we have a lot of people talking about love. Most people I do not believe actually understand what love is because we have to have it for ourselves. You cannot give something to someone else if you do not have it yourself. So we need to have empathy. We need to have understanding and we need to move. Because who am I to judge that what this person is needing to learn or this society is learning that I know yeah, any better? I know totally. nothing. Honestly, yeah. I know nothing. All I know is the few bits of reality that I've been able to grasp for my own life. And mm -hmm. one of those things that I've been working on putting myself through a major transformation over the last few months personally has been learning to accept. Mm -hmm. See, that's one I we struggle don't, with. We don't accept someone else's opinion because now we believe that if we have an opinion, it's the truth. We fail to yeah. realise that our opinion is just that. It's based on the limited amount of knowledge and understanding that we have. And in yeah. most cases, that's pretty well close to zero. <laughs> you know, because, well, look, I hear people saying, look, yeah, my, child, my child wouldn't do that. My child, I go, hang on a minute. If you're fortunate enough for your child to share 10 or 15 minutes of their thoughts during their day with you, that's all you know. Unless you're in your, their head, unless you're walking around with them all day, every day, 23 hours a day, you only know what they choose to share with you. Yeah. And we make an assumption that we know someone based on 10 or 15 minutes sharing. You've got to be kidding me. That's, yeah, that leads me to the, what I believe is plaguing our planet at the moment, and that's ignorance. We've become very ignorant. Mm -hmm. We seem to think that control, you see, you were talking before about fear. Fear is the largest form of currency to control everything and everyone. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, yes. It's the global currency at the moment, fear. Yep, yep. We are understanding and acceptance and we're now in judgment and we're now in being critical and we now have a need to control all because of fear so we've lost the love we've lost the acceptance of ourselves and other people and in that we've lost a lot of understanding as to who we are what we are you see we don't even realize anymore we've become so focused on this image that we're human beings that we actually have failed to realize that we're actually energy beings all here having a human experience yeah. And we're here so that we can learn. We have emotions here. We have feelings here because we're in a mortal body for a chosen amount of time to be able to experience these things. Step outside of that and what do we experience? We experience very little. But yet when we step into this form, we also are forced to embrace learnings, understand experiences. You know, most of life is not out of a book. It's out of our experience. It's what yeah, actually yeah, how it is. You see, when we feel yeah. the pain and hurt of other people, we can create understanding and empathy. You know, usually what we have now is judgment. We judge everyone. Mm. And yet we don't usually accept because we're not really accepting and kind to ourselves. Sadly, yes, because, you know, happens. most... Sorry. No, that's, yeah, and that's precisely, I guess, the point that you were just about to go on is we can't really accept others unless we are accepting to ourselves. Um, yes. But, yeah, please continue. It, it, because, you know, for starters, I have a belief that we, and this is just a belief, and the thing is about beliefs, we should have very few of them, because mm -hmm. I think that we continue to change our beliefs. Yes, totally. You know? As a child, I couldn't believe that, you know, I could drive a car and I could do this and jump out of an aeroplane several times and stuff like that. But as life went on and I was given the opportunity to experience different things, mm -hmm. my beliefs also changed accordingly. Yeah. And that's actually a good thing about beliefs is that they are changeable. We're not stuck with it. So we can actually create an awareness that actually allows us to shift and once our perception starts to change, we're able to move. You see, usually the work that I do with people, to just keep it very simple, because I like to keep it very simple so even university professors can get this, is that we are wanting to move from a desired state to a present state. Yeah. That's it. Okay. We identify somewhere that we don't feel good, this isn't working for us being like this, somewhere else. The problem is, is most of the time we don't educate people or teach people how to get there. That's it. And that's where I get here. That's where the work really comes in. And I was going to say to you is how, how do we start to help shift our beliefs? What does mm -hmm. that come from? And that is in the work, obviously, and what you do with your clients. But yes. um, I was going to say as well, you mentioned, obviously, and sorry to come back to no, it, but please. I just thought about it. You mentioned that your mother... Sorry, your grandmother said about, um, sorry, was it your mother or ma grandmother that said when you asked her and said that you wanted to go to India um, and you did your trip to India, how was that? Can we maybe explore a little bit about, you know, how was your experience and what did you learn from that trip? Because I okay. know on our conversation when we first talked and I obviously, I took a lot away from that, hence what mm -hmm. my friends do. Um, sure. But one of the beautiful things was obviously your explanation about your trip and I'd love for you to share that with the audience about what you got from it and obviously your aspirations for where else you want to go, you know, moving forward as well. Yeah. 
to keep it sort of concise and, and sort of in a nutshell without giving a half hour thing, it was actually my mother who encouraged me to go. She was very encouraging. Um, and that was because she understood that I wasn't, I was the black sheep, a black sheep. Mm-hmm. I think it's important wherever possible yeah, to be a black sheep. sheep. You're the same because while all the others are following and possibly they're going to all fall off a cliff together, yeah. going in a different direction. Yeah. And so, you know, my my mother understood that I was a black sheep and that that was okay for me to do that. But when I say that, I was different. You know, when I grew up, um, I was a Dago. I was a wog. Um, I did singing. I did nine years dancing. I was in all sorts of choirs and did all sorts of a Steadfords. And, you know, now it's much more acceptable. But back when I was doing it, if you weren't playing football and you weren't beer drinking, um, well, you were you were called a whole heap of other things. Oh. That sort of ins- that sort of inspired me to actually move forward because I couldn't be anything other or who I mm-hmm. was, and I just needed to explore to find out who I was. I would follow my intuition. Always followed my intuition. So um, this to go to India led me on this path to go to India. And, you know, I arrived in India without even a night's accommodation ball. One o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's, the best, that's the best kind of travel, I tell you. It the is. spontaneity of it. Yes, it absolutely. I, I would yeah. just book a ticket for roughly six months, 12-month open ticket. Oh, I think I'll be here. And I mm-hmm. think after I do India, I'll go to Europe. I don't know why I'm going there, but I'll go to England. I'll go to Europe. I'll travel around. All of those things actually led me to meeting people who, I just didn't realise at the time. Intuition, that's what helped me. So it's really an opportunity for me to, it wasn't really India that I needed to go to, it was actually Pakistan. And I spent nearly six months living in Pakistan, or actually over six months. And yet I thought I was to be in India. Until one day a psychic woman said to me, Tony, you need to understand Pakistan has only been Pakistan since 1947. Yeah, Prior to that, that's some of the oldest part of India that you've come to. Like exactly. not just up near near Islamabad, um, which is in the north of Pakistan, is Taxila. And Taxila was set up by Buddha 500 years before Christianity formed oh, really? so that he could start yeah. teaching in a university that he created back then. Okay. So I found myself actually being in this beautiful old part where there was still a lot of spirituality. There were still lots of Sufi people, all that sort of type of connection that our society has moved very much away from a lot of. And I was able to embrace myself in the culture and the people. And just being able to put myself there enabled me to be manoeuvred into all sorts of opportunities. And I say manoeuvred because I think sometimes we have a bit of an idea where but I is at work that actually help us get where we need to go. Mm-hmm. We'll have an issue with that. They don't believe. And I go, well, look, no. And we all now know scientifically that the moon actually affects our tides. It affects yes, exactly. 70, 70% of the world's surface. And yeah. we can't see it. We can't feel it. Not that I can. I've never really sat there. I've seen some moonbeams, but I don't know how powerful the single... But collectively, there is a power there that we really know nothing about. Yeah, very true. Very and, true. And can, think, can we... 
Life a little is bit full deeper. Of those things. A little bit deeper into that, um, if you yeah. don't mind. You mentioned, obviously, you know, you are somebody who believes in the universe and universal force, and you mm-hmm. know that's backed up by a lot of your scientific, you know, understanding and whatnot. Would you say, and look, I'm a type of person where I'm not necessarily religious, but I am somebody who believes in Jesus and I am somebody who believes in Christ consciousness and the elevation of that and the returning of that. I think that's what the second coming of Christ is. It's not that Mm -hmm. Christ is physically going to be born or, you know, come and descend down. It is much more of a consciousness and a higher consciousness, you know. Would you yes. agree with that? Would you, yes, would you think? I would. Yeah. Uh, look, okay. it, it, once again, you see, when we move into acceptance, you see, everyone is, has a story. We're all created their life. And in that story, that movie that we're making, we have some choices. We can choose whether we're making a love story, a comedy, an adventure, a horror, or a drama. People seem to be <laughs> caught up on those two lately. And we... <laughs> would understand in this story that we're creating we are the main actor we are also the producer and the director we write yes. our own scripts we're doing it all and we're it all yeah my wish is that we have a little more awareness about what it is that we're creating mm-hmm. because the moment that we realize that we're creating something that's not beneficial to us we can change that because if you would link back to earlier there's nothing going on outside of us we are controlling the script from the inside we are controlling the story and the actions from our thinking which happens on the inside every so moving into this acceptance because that's what that's what i was it's having in our story a higher level of acceptance than what we usually walk around because then we can accept that however it is for anyone else it's not my place to judge anyone else. The only yeah. person I'm going to actually work out, hopefully, through this journey that I'm on is me. Now, along the way, I'm going to see some similarities because we're of a similar species, all of us, one would hope, and that there are some similar threads. That's basically, we all want to be happy. We all carry certain beliefs and understandings, and most of those are built on what is working for us. Yeah, because right. if something doesn't really work for us, at some point we'll identify, just like in a relationship. We can move into a relationship, someone that we start off thinking this is going to be what, everything I've been hoping and praying for. And yes. pretty well much, I believe the universe is going to send you just who you need, <laughs> but it may not be, it may not come wrapped up how you think it is. And there yeah. may be a lot more that comes with that package than you ever imagined. And right. Because now it's not aligning with my actions, mm-hmm. my expectations. Now, the truth of the matter is, I've been the creator of those. If I let those go, then I'm free to accept without judgment myself and everyone else. You see, we've caught up, we're caught up in this thing of comparing ourselves to everyone and everything. I'm not good enough, I hear and I struggle with that too because I've had the similar conditioning that everyone else has had. Except the truth of the matter is, standing in front of the mirror every morning, there's 50 or 70 billion cells looking at you because they make you up. And I day and they work for us because they love us. Yes. We're the weak link. We're the weak link in all of this. That's, yeah, they that's love us. Good, 
ourselves. What the hell is going on? <laughs> no, I really like that. And I think that's a great point as well for the audience to really remember. When If you are having a downtime or having a bit of a hard time, just remember that you are infinitely intelligent and that there's an intelligence that's working its way before yep. you can even have a yep. thought about it, you know, and, and, and essentially yep. it's working for you. You know, you breathe. Yep. Breathing happens naturally, you know. Um, yep. We need to remember to breathe and it's all going to unfold just how we need it to. Because regardless how how depressed, how how angry, how frustrated, how whatever it is that you are, it's only in these moments and these moments pass. You see, if people who who contemplate realise that the thoughts that that they are struggling with and the emotions that they are struggling with at that are also going to pass yeah i think sometimes people think that it's going to be forever but at the end of the day you are in charge and you can have the opportunity to change that and i guess we'll go a little bit deeper into that of you saying acceptance and acceptance i guess comes to me in the form of one an understanding that everybody has their own journey but that's also to do with the karmic journey as well do you believe in karma you can you can prove that every day to yourself. You do something yeah. good to someone, something good will come back. Mm-hmm. You're in frustration, you'll find more of it will come back towards you. Yeah. You need to also move away from this rubbish about good and bad. You see, I've learned that there is no such thing as good and bad. There are just opportunities for us to learn. Yeah. You see, if we move away from the good and bad, the right and wrong, we can also free ourselves from shame and guilt. And we can move into it that what I need to learn, I need to learn. What I haven't learned yet, I will more than likely hopefully learn. And we can become more accepting. But we've become so judge- judgmental of ourselves and everyone else that once again, remember, as I was sharing in the beginning, we communicate to others and ourselves with generalizations, deletions, and distortions. So for example, and just before, some people can think it's always going to be like this. Well, let me tell you, your life is limited. Your time here has a use-by date. It does not go on forever, this experience. We need to embrace it and we need to love every minute of it, but it doesn't go on forever. We're here for a short time and as we start to progress and we head into the future and we start to get closer and closer to our stepping off point, you start to realise how important it is, how much rubbish we have gone on with in our life. That's not important because we become very distracted from what's real and we're caught up in realisations, deletions and distortions. It's not real. No, it's not real. You mentioned, obviously, you've done quite a little bit of, you know, different modalities and stuff. And I know hypnotherapy and NLP are probably your most predominant. But in saying that, what do you feel is your most, what is the most powerful tool or what's the most powerful work that you do with your clients? And why do you feel that it is the most powerful? Truly, I believe it's observation and being present. 
So when someone sits, when I sit with someone, I am holding a space for them to go inside, to look at themselves and to respond back to me things that I may ask them. And I find that I usually ask people things that most people have never heard or had asked of themselves before. Because I'll ask people, how do you do this? How do you do that? And if I can sit and be present, because I believe that every person is carrying all of the answers to their question, then I can sit there and hopefully, wherever possible, help help them join up the dots. Yeah. And I see that that's my role. See, how can I tell anyone what's good for them? I really yes. can't. The only person I can tell what needs to be done is to me. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is on our journey. We're all doing, I just have the pleasure of traveling with you for a time. I just wanted to explain, explain that because I guess in this day and age, especially in the, you know, personal development and the self-help realm and a lot of the spiritual, you know, workers that are doing what they do now, and this is no disrespect to anybody in your craft, but let's call a spade a spade, is a yeah. lot of people do want to tell people what to do, how to do it, how to be, you know, and we're finding a lot of people that are cloning other people, whereas yeah. as opposed to really finding themselves and digging into themselves a li little bit deeper. So I wanted to obviously elaborate on that and let the audience know why you do what you do. And that's why I love speaking to Tony is because he doesn't actually tell me anything that I don't already know. And a lot of the time what he does is really hold space for me um, and essentially allows me to really dive deeper and answer my own questioning without being too much of a coach or, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I just wanted yeah. to explain that because, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. differentiation between what I find, how you do and why you do what you do. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I, it saddens me too because uh, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine had a business in town uh, with a group of very good psychologists. Um, there are some great psychologists out there. There are me that I might need to look at something else. 15,000 psychologists in this country, she said, and I truly think we've got more screwed up people than we've ever had before. So she said, <laughs> you just might want to have a look at what are you actually looking at getting into? And that really made an impact on me. And so some years ago, she asked me to come to her practice and to talk to some of the people who were working out of her practice. Mm -hmm. And I've had an issue with some people that there are people out there who start off, I feel, with the right motives for wanting to help and work with people. I think money can become a distraction to them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the focus becomes more about, I need you to turn up every fortnight because of the money, more so than me supporting you. Yes. So I had to ask these people. Because, you see, when I work with people, I do three sessions normally. Two hours mm -hmm. of first session because I need to find out there's a story and I need to start teaching people. If we're going to do some trance work, I need to teach you some simple steps that will make it easier for that person to actually move into the areas that will be most beneficial to create the change for them. And so usually from that point, usually about three sessions and people will get change. So I started asking these people at the end of my professional development talk that they had employed me for for the day. And I said to them, can you please tell me 
Have any of you people been working with people on a fortnightly basis or so relating to the same problem two years later? Yeah. To my horror, they yeah. all put their hand up. God, yes. This and is then I said to them, and then I said to them, have any of you people been working with people with the same problems for three to four years? Up went the hands again. I'm thinking, what the hell? <laughs> so, you know, by the time I got to five or six years and still a couple of hands came up, all I could say was, you know, you guys need to be ashamed of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Because people have come to you wanting help. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of effort and courage for someone to step up and go, I need help with this. Totally. Because the first thing people need to understand that there is a problem there first, because most people are under the illusion that everything's fine. And so it takes a brave person to get there, which I honour anyone who, who wants to do work on themselves. They are a, a warrior and a hero as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Because any, anyone can be the victim and stay at home and blame everything and everyone else for it. Right. So, you know, it annoys me when there are people out there, and that's what I was saying, the focus has shifted from wanting to care. Now I need you to come for the next four or five years every fortnight because it helps my bank account. Yeah. And I think we have way too much of that going on. There's a real problem with, and that's my, that's a little bit of my hesitancy with, with psychologists is they seem to, and I guess it's more the medical practice or that sort of side is they have quotas to fill, you know, and essentially they make their money off a referral basis or they make their money off a retention basis. Uh And I think that that's where we lose the authenticity in why we want to help people and why, why, our duty of care, if you would, essentially, it comes down to that bottom line. When somebody comes to you and they want help, your duty of care is to ensure that you give them that. And I've always said that if you are seeing the same psychologist for more than two years, given look, and not this isn't to do with people that have, you know, PTSD, people that have gone and, you know, been in the army or, you know, in severe, severe cases where they might need more of that work. But in, in your general consensus of people that might be dealing with, you know, everyday sort of stuff, if you're seeing somebody for more than two years at any given time, like I think sure. that there's something wrong with the practitioner that you're seeing. And that might not just be psychologists. That might be anybody else. Uh, exactly, well. exactly. You know, I was just using yeah. my example because I, I like to talk about things that have real, that have totally, real, realness yeah, to I them think, for me. Think, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think that's with anything, right? Like Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, if, so, you know, for example, I get a lot of sports people. I get a lot of shooters because they're wanting to focus their attention. And, you know, it's a big sport. It's a lot of money. You know, so they'll, somewhat, they'll bring their Berettas to show me. And they might have, the gun might be a $20,000 gun. And someone will fly up from Melbourne to hand shape so that it fits their shoulder perfectly. That comes with the $20,000 gun that you buy. And then when they're having a shoot on the weekends, it's twenty dollars and $30,000 prize money. So, you know, as a sport, these people put a lot of money into it. So I get people, they will come to me, shooters, golfers, but shooters a lot because the money is much more than golf, sort of just locally. And, you know, we might do some sessions, get them fired up, they'll be fine. They might come back a year or two later and go, look, I just need another session just to help me get refocused again. And we do that. But that's because we are dealing with so many other influences every day. You know, when you get a, when you get, say, a, 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 well, let's just say one of your parents passes, dies, God. that that can create an awful shake up in your reality, in your world. Mm-hmm. And it can take away your focus on many levels. 
So, you know, we have things that happen to us in our life that sometimes we need to go and say, look, I just need to talk to you about this. And then we move on again. Yeah. That is much different to seeing someone for four or five years. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly agree with that, Tony. You've, 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 yeah, hit the nail with that one. And I definitely no. agree with it, it, that. To me, it's about supporting people the best you can. And I Somebody, always like to support people how I would like to be supported, and that's real support. Precisely, and that's what I think comes down to. And I think your work as well is, while you may use particular, you know, modalities and tools, you're very much a healing nature, and I think that that's what it comes down to is when you are a healer, essentially your role is to help heal that person and to yeah. lead them to their own healing as opposed yeah. to, like, you can't heal anybody that can't, that doesn't believe that they can be healed. Like healing... I'm, you know, it's like, I believe that I'm a healer as well. I'm not a healer though. It's the person that comes to me that wants the healing. That's up to them. They'll be healed but, if they want to be healed. Otherwise, we, I can't yeah, Sure. Exactly. We all are healers. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. To draw people's attention. If you cut your finger, you put a Band-Aid on it, you look down a week later, you go, oh, it's healed. Well, who Precisely. did that? You did. <laughs> you were doing that even when you were sleeping. Like, how clever is that? But we don't acknowledge so, so. that. You see, yes, right. one, one interesting thing that I will share because of my unusual area that I work with, and that's with people, because people are very unusual. Um, I'm often the last port of call. I hear it all the time. You're my last hope. You're my last this. I've been to everyone. And a couple of years ago, I had a young 24-year-old man brought to me who was who had terrible OCD. He had a part-time job of six hours. It used to take him 11 hours to get to work and get home again. Oh, God. Washing hands, walking round and round and round. And when I saw him, he had just come back from having several weeks down at Monash University in Melbourne as a bit of a lab rat. They were trying to work out what was going on, what was yeah. he doing and stuff. So first session, he's sitting in my office and we're having a talk. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was that he had all these thoughts going round and round in his head. And of course, you know, my job, as I shared with you before, is to hold the space and to listen and to hold an awareness that most people don't have mm -hmm. for that particular moment. No. So I said to him, okay, which way are the thoughts going around? Well, he stopped and he looked at me. And the first, because like I'm the last port of call, he's been to doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists all his life. He said to me, no one has ever asked me that question. And I said, well, today is your day because I'm asking you, which way are they going? And for, let's say, hypothetical reasons, he said, like, they're going clockwise. I said, okay, I want you to slow them down, stop them, and I want you to send them back the other way. Well, within about less than a minute, I had this young 24-year-old starting to soften and melt in my chair because he was almost unwinding himself. Yeah. And you see, I think we, we are doing so much to ourselves. And when I say ourselves, more than just ourselves, you know, I think we have hundreds of personalities. We're like a beautifully cut diamond. And the truth is we are perfect, but because we've taken on all this judgment and criticism, we're never good enough. Yeah. You see, um, we're perfect to be who we are. 
I, 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 it saddens me at times that we don't educate our children anymore. And this has nothing to do with the teachers. We have fantastic teachers. It's the crap they're given to teach is rubbish. I agree. And, our, and our process, you know, I, I see all our systems broken, our health systems broken, our medical system, our banking system, our political system, <laughs> everything's broken. That's why it's no wonder we're so screwed up as a society. Yes. And we even tell ourselves that you're not good enough. You see, I believe that instead of educating anymore, we domesticate. You see, we domesticate our children the same as we do other animals, cats and dogs. And it's through punishment and reward. Yeah. So at a very, very early age, children will develop a pleasing person, the pleasing part. Mm -hmm. Because if we can just get everyone happy, we'll be okay. You see, usually children learn very quickly because children, I believe, are often far more smarter than the adults because they haven't been so conditioned. Yeah, is, they are infinitely intelligent. Good little, good little boys and girls know that good little boys and girls are rewarded. Bad little girls and boys are punished. So we will start to become whatever we need to become to please everyone. Well, yeah. We have a pleasing part. You know, I've noticed through just observation, People who come out of family systems that have lots of rules and regulations, they have a very strong pleasing part and they develop the perfectionist part. Because once again, the child understands, yeah, the child understands that if I can just get my behavior perfect, I'll be the good little boy or girl and I'll be rewarded and not punished. Yeah. But by the time we become teenagers, we start to realize that I'm trying to be this to everyone it's not making them happy and it definitely doesn't make me happy. Yeah. And in that process of become, trying to become good enough for everyone else, we lose who we are supposed to be for ourselves. Now, you're not designed to be anyone else, but you are perfect to be the person that you're designed to be. But where do we ever let people become that perfect self? Yes, very true. And I guess that's where the holding space comes into it is allowing your, allowing others to really unfold and to dissect and to create themselves as they wish rather than telling them and molding them and structuring them and, and putting our own programming and conditioning and our own bias belief systems and everything else that comes with it. That's where it really comes undone. And I think I would thoroughly agree with you. It's We do have amazing teachers out there and I think what we're seeing now is a real shift between maybe unconscious parenting and what's happened in the home and that paradigm compared to what conscious parenting actually looks like. And I think that's where it truly begins. And that's where the shift actually begins is it begins at home first. Right. Yep. And I believe that it also takes a village to raise, you know, a child as well. Yep. And that and we, means and, com yeah. community as well, you know, so. Yep. Healthy communities. Yeah. See, we don't healthy. really have healthy communities. Absolutely. You know, um, one thing is we need to, my son, when he was just a little boy, I realized when he was three, four, five, that he was my greatest teacher. He was teaching me stuff that I really needed to learn. And I used to have to say to him some nights when I had maybe raised my voice and had struggled with dealing with things, I had to ask for forgiveness and an apology. And, you know, mm -hmm. he would always say to me, Daddy, I forgive you. And straight away, yeah. I would think, gosh, yeah, here's my son, four years of age, showing me what big people should be doing we because know. we hold resentment 
and we can carry this shit on for years. We really and here's can. this four-year-old teaching me what love's about, and that's just forgiving. And it... you know, was... I remember one day we were throwing a ball out the front, and I heard myself saying, "Great cat, great job, Sam. Good boy, good boy." And I had to pull myself up when I Ooh, heard yeah. myself saying that, yeah, because yeah. the truth of the matter was, it didn't matter whether he caught the ball or not. He was a beautiful kid already. Like, what crap am I giving him by saying to him, you know, when you catch the ball, then you're a good boy? Like, yeah. how many people have heard, when you eat all your food, you're a good boy or a good girl? Yeah, totally. And we wonder why people develop certain behaviours because the unconscious is we've got to be good, we've got to eat everything and then we'll be acceptable, we'll be good enough, we'll be okay. What a load of crap. You know, I heard a teacher one day when I went to pick my son up from a school, she was talking about, she was trying to encourage them. Now, firstly, I use the word try and that means you're not going to be successful because if I said to you, Alicia, I tried to see you on the weekend, it means I wasn't successful. So yeah. we need to move try out as our language. It's not good for any of us. Yeah. Now, I heard this woman, and I believe she was doing her best to encourage them, but I thought, what a load of rubbish. Here she was saying to them, if you work hard, if you study, you could turn out to be something like a doctor. You could be good enough to be a solicitor. You yeah, could well. be something. Yeah. And I sat there thinking, doesn't she realise there are 28 little people there who are already something? Something, they are yeah. already someone. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. We need to foster and encourage those little people to be more of who they're designed, who they are perfect to be. But no, we have to take the model that's broken and sick and we have to flog it a little bit more and it goes on and on and on. Anyway, I believe that's why we're here, people like us and lots of other kind people who have a heart and want to see. You know, one thing, we learn certain things from our, from, from our family systems. And the greatest thing my mother taught me was two things, to be loving and be kind. And I think if people could be more loving and more kind to themselves even, then we would see a transformation of the planet. But yeah, we're in that place while people are operating. You know, we say, uh, if you're not in love, you're in fear. Well, we're in the shadow sides of love. It's not separate from love. Love is the most powerful energy that we have in this dimension on this planet and it is the creation that creates even our fears because there is no other energy it's not a different energy it's what we are internalizing and doing with it because we are all creators and we are manifesting so yeah. we are either taking the love energy and turning it into more love and kindness or i'm becoming fearful and i need to control and i need to dominate and I become greedy, and it's never enough. Hmm. Like, you know, seriously, how many millions of dollars do people need? You know, what really sickens me is we're playing politicians in this country good money, far more than they deserve, oh, yeah. and yet on a Monday morning, God. you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ad that I see because I don't have TV and I cut it out about nine years ago. Good man. But every now and then I see this thing and it's like I think it's the Smith family. There's 1.2 million children in poverty. Well, excuse my language. Why the fuck aren't these politicians every Monday making that a priority? Yeah, totally. Why haven't we cleaned this up? Yeah. hundred years on, we're still going to have this crap going. Yeah, yeah. Because we're not focusing on what should be happening because people have lost sight of why they're there. 
They're there to serve and protect us, not to control and dominate us. Exactly, which is precisely what they're well, yeah, what they've you been accustomed to do for a very long time. A long time, and as as I say to people, and we're not going to make this political, but I just want people to think no, because we need people to think to more think. and not just follow like sheep. Yeah. I was at my accountants a couple of eight other people. Most of them were other clients, people I didn't even know. And of course, me being the person I am, I just said, look, I need to ask all of you a question. We had an election coming up. I said, I've voted for at least 30 years in this country, and I'm sure some of you have voted for that and longer. <laughs> Can I ask you to tell me one thing that this voting has done that's made your life better? Yeah. That's given you more freedoms, more power, more joy, more happiness for you and the people that you love. Did you know not one person could give me one thing? Of course not. I didn't think so. Because there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Because yet. if we get out of the illusion and we look at the reality, the illusion is I'll go there and I'll do this and do that for you. That doesn't happen. When you get into a broken system, the system is broken. It doesn't matter how many elections, how many people we vote in, until we change what we've got, we are going to continue to keep getting the same thing. And you know we, what, I think that's where our younger generation comes in, though, and that's where I'm hopeful is I think for far too long these old these old politicians have been sitting in office for far too long. You know what I mean? They've gotten away with it. And I hope, I really hope, and I hope that it's our youth that are able to change the paradigm of how we see the world, the politics in which we deliver to the wards of people, and also the governing systems in which we have as well. Because they forget that at the end of the day, these people have served for a very long time, even over in America. Look at Biden, how long has he been in politics and he only just got elected, like, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, anyway, we won't go too much into that. But, no. um, but, you, but, but yeah. yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. It's you vote, you vote. We are given the choice to vote and we vote for something. But at the end of the day, it seems to be a selling message. <coughs> well, it's, it's, it's really a token gesture yeah. to have you think that you're you're having a say we don't have a say in anything with all of these with all of these COVID things going on and that's a whole other drama that people have fallen into and we're not going to go there but how many times have you and I been asked or anyone been asked what what would we like I I never got a phone call from anyone I've never received a letter from anyone I've never had I've never had my representative who keeps saying I'm going to represent you come knocking and going hey Tony how do you think we're going? <laughs> I'd say, have you got a week? This is a good way to put that out to them right now. If there are any politicians that ever listen to this, I hope that you take something away from that and I hope that's something that you actually consider because yeah. I would feel the very same. Yeah. See, we don't have to look far for the truth. You see, that's the thing. If people would step into the truth, the truth will set you free. Yeah. You see, even in our communication in relationship, say you and I were having a relationship, right? We're married, say. We're just using this hypothetically. Now, if I am not standing in my truth and being honest with you, then I'm actually going to be distorting the truth. In other words, I'm going to start lying. I'm -hmm. not going to be coming from my authentic self. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be real. And therefore, whatever comes out of my mouth is not going to necessarily be in alignment with my energy, with my vibration, and with what I'm projecting to the world. What I'm going to create for you then and for myself is a thing called confusion. Because when we stand in the truth, the truth is truth. Yes, very true. (laughs) If if I say to you, 
I love you and there are lots of things that I really don't love about you and I'm sort of really lying to you because there's something I want at the end of the day from you, mm -hmm. then you're going to at some point go, you know, I keep hearing this stuff, but there's going to be a but there. Yeah, that's and right. And wipes out everything that you've done. Yeah. Yes. And then you're going to tell me the truth. See, we get back to the truth because the truth will set you free. If we would just stand in the truth, if we could just embrace the truth and say, look, darling, you know, there's some stuff I need to sort, sort out and there's some stuff I need to talk to you about because fear comes up and I don't want to upset you. Then we would be free. But yeah. what happens is the truth comes up. I get fearful. I then don't want to tell you the truth. So I hold on to the truth and I tell you a lie. Yes. yes. And from that point, then we start to create confusion in our relationship with each other and for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if truth, it gives you permission to be truthful also. That's very true. The sense that we have probably maybe 90% of marriages are alive. Yeah. Yes. You know, someone had to give up power so that they yeah. could survive. Like what yeah. the hell sort of a relationship is that to, start, um, to get caught up in for 30 years? Yeah. A relationship to survive? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you living it? Yeah, because right. truth. Because and we're I, too scared. That's also the increase in divorce rates as well. You know, there's so many more. Why is it that so many more marriages are failing nowadays than it, as opposed to previously? You know, and what is that got to do with as well? And I think that is, it comes down to people entering relationships, but not in an authentic manner or not being able to hold that authenticity throughout it or mm -hmm. an equal give and take. And then that then obviously transpires into, you know, separation or, or sure. well, disharmony of wanting to be able to sort it out. Or, or well, I think we, we have a lot of unreal expectations that we place on people for starters. It's no one else's job to make me happy. Mm -hmm. I've got to wake up in the morning and tell myself how blessed I am to be here. And when I hear the people that I love are also here and we're not one of the several million people who didn't get to wake up today, then straight away, it's my choice whether I perceive and see that I've got a fantastic day ahead of me or not. And it's up to me to hold the focus during the day. It's great when other people come along and share a joke with me because I love joking and having fun, but it's not anyone else's job to make me happy. It's my job to make me happy. The amount of people that get married hoping that they're going to get out of home where it's not good, domestic violence, stuff like that. I've got someone now who's going to make me happy. Well, you've got someone to journey with. You've got someone to share with and grow with, but we seem to hook onto that person a whole heap of unrealistic expectations that you're going to make me happy. Like, like, honestly, I sit there when I go to a wedding and I think, well, for starters, we set people up for failure from the start. We're going to oh. lie. I'm going to give you a promise that I'm going to make you happy every day for the rest yeah. of your life. I can't even make vows. that promise to myself. I know. And when you hear vows that are like, you make me happy person in the world i just think to myself oh god like already we've set this expectation of what this yeah. is going to be you know it's yeah it's like it's crazy and then then we tell the bride who's usually looking beautiful that this is her special day <laughs> well what about the other 364 days <laughs> well, they're, they're not hers either yeah no, for god's sake and then <laughs> because i do 
voice work and I look at the personalities, you know, we can all identify with some. So we have angry parts, happy parts, judgmental, critical, parts that want to learn, professional parts, playful parts, lazy parts, rebellious parts. I've got a few of them, you know, and we've all got these parts. Now, the one thing I like to think when I go to a wedding and I'm sitting there in the back somewhere thinking, oh, well, the show's about to start, who's going to turn up to marry who today? Yeah, very true. Out of all those parts that we're carrying. Yeah, who's, who's there? turning up to marry who today? because there is so much more going on but we are so distracted that we don't even understand and we're caught up taking these stories that we're being told you know you get married you go and find a good man you go and find a good woman you have and that's it for life well that sounds like a life sentence to me where is the joy where is the creating a beautiful whatever it is every day is an opportunity i like to think every day is like a canvas and we are all creators. We're creating what we are. And even if you think you're not going to create something, well, you're going to create that. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, totally. You know, you can hold yourself on your journey for 20 years. It's not going to matter to anyone else until you decide to get up and move forward again. Like yeah. the whole world, the whole universe and everything in it is going to respond to you and it does every day. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're not aware that this is happening because we're so distracted because we're being taught to look at this and look at that. You know, I say to my son, I stick my hand out and I say, Sam, see this hand here. He goes, yes. I said, this is like the political system, the education. While we're focused on this, you haven't got a clue what my other one's doing, have you? And he goes, no, because we're being distracted and taught that this is what, like I said, most of the time we're being taught by people who have just passed. They've just picked up this stuff. And sadly, yeah. we pick it up and we take it on as a belief. And most of the beliefs aren't even real or true. But we manifest them when we focus and feed the energy. Feed into is going to grow. So if I want to feed negativity into my life and depression, I'm pretty well guaranteed that the universe will respond and grow me more of it. And there's a lot of people walking around as living proof of that. Or we can choose to create and feed something different. Different, yeah, precisely, and create you something. You see, the model that we're given, I like to share to people that the model that we're given is a map. But it doesn't mean to say it's the territory. <laughs> it's just the map that you were given. Because I don't know about you, but I have in the past asked for directions. And at times... The directions that I received, I took on as a belief, actually took me further away from where I actually wanted to go. And when that happened a couple of times, I started to realize, how many times has this happened in life? We take directions, we take a map that someone's given us and says, here, follow this and you'll get there. And we start to follow, but in actual, in, in, instead of getting where we want to go, we can end up further away than where we could have ever imagined we wanted to be. Yeah, that's very, very true. I was going to say. And that's not choice. That's just because we've taken someone else's map. Map, yes. And we haven't created one of our own, I guess. Or followed well, one. That's see, see, what happens, I sense now, is we're into, uh, we're into an era where common sense isn't common anymore. People don't think that much anymore. They're not that interested because we've become so conditioned to distraction. 
You see, when we get annoyed and something's not happening in life, we'll either go and get a drink, we'll get a cigarette, roll a joint, something like that. You'll get your phone, whatever it is to distract you, to turn the feelings off because I don't want to deal with it. Hmm. But it doesn't go away. It's like, you know, at the moment, I don't have a bank manager because I can't find a bank manager who's a millionaire. And I'm interested in a millionaire bank manager to teach me how to do it. Yeah, like, you wouldn't actually, if you had a choice of a heap of builders who have built beautiful homes and they've built hundreds of them, you would feel more comfortable going with them than someone who is just finishing their apprenticeship. Yeah, that's true. But how many times do we go and seek advice off someone who's never even done it? Like, I'm always amazed when I bought properties, houses for renovating and do other things other than council people. Um, the amount of people that all of a sudden become real estate gurus, it, it really yeah, impresses um, me. I think, um, fuck me, you never told me you did this. Oh, no, I've, yeah. never had, I've never bought a house before, but they have all of the advice under the sun for you. Yes. And when I used to share trade, every person became a share trading guru. It was incredible. I thought if I had only known this before I bought. <laughs> but, that's, but that's how it goes. Yeah, that is, that is how it goes. But yeah, and definitely. we need to step up and realise that that is going on. You see, so many people these days, to invest my money because I like to make it grow. I can make my money grow much faster than someone giving it to the bank. You know, I've been investing in various things and in the last two years, most of it has made me 100%. Well, if I'd gone to the bank, I'd be getting 2 or 3%. Can we, go, can we go into that? Because I actually had that as a little thing and not to, not to speak too much into your money and whatever else, but I know that you are big on silver, obviously, you know, silver yep. and, and gold. What would you yep. give an audience maybe that is wanting into investing or things that are going to be able to transfer over into an actual bit? Because now okay. there's a million and one people that are looking to real estate as an, you know, investment, whereas sure. I think yep. that you could be making faster, small, do you know what I mean, faster cash. Sure. Than and, and you don't need so much money to get exactly. into some of these things. Exactly. Now, you need to understand that there is a system out there for everything. So when you go to ask for financial advice, what you'll often get is someone who has access to a range of products. And it's in their best interest that if they sell those products, they're going to make commission. That's how it works. Yeah. So <clears throat> we need to be aware of that going on for starters. And yeah. all the banks, they have their own products. They're all products that they sell and push. Insurance companies, they're all the same. We need to, to actually start to understand some of the basic fundamentals and having a young son actually forced me to have a look at some of this stuff because I was looking at it, but you now I needed to learn more and this helped me with my learning. People do not understand that there is a difference between money and currency. So currency is what we have in our wallet. It's plastic. Some countries it's still paper, but in the old days, was called an honorary note so the banks held gold and silver and they gave you a note because you didn't want to be carrying a kilo of gold around so they gave you a note and they held the gold in the banks and said okay here's twenty dollars as representing twenty dollars worth of gold that was held by the banks now the banks don't hold anything anymore i'll tell you about mm -hmm. that in a second so first off people need to understand that currency is not money it's currency now, we've had, and they're called fiat currencies because they're made up. Now, it goes back about two and a half thousand years to one of the Roman Caesars who decided to start making a currency. And <laughs> unless those coins are made out of gold and silver, they still have a value. 
Anything else is just paper. If you go back to the Second World War, people could carry 8 million Deutschmark in a wheelbarrow and that would buy a loaf of bread, a whole wheelbarrow full of money. Because money only has a value while people believe it has a value. Value, yeah. While they can convince you that it's worth something. Now, in America, they print with paper still. And I found out recently that a $5 note, a $10 note, $20 note, $50 note, or a $100 note costs three cents to make. Okay. This is a pretty good business that the banks, that the bank and the government's in. Oh, yeah? they, make, they make a note for three cents. Uh -huh. So that when they give it to you and it's a $100 note, they're making $99.97 profit straight up off you. This is a pretty good business to be in. I'd yes, like a business absolutely. like that. Same. Yeah, absolutely. You see? Now, once again, they are no longer holding the gold and silver. So what they now have is the banking industry has, with the help of governments, has allowed people to start being convinced that their money is worth something. Their money is worth nothing. Now, if we give the bank $100,000 in Australia, they can lend it out 10 times. So you give them 100,000, they now have a million that they can lend. So they're lending money out that doesn't even exist. I went to the bank recently and I asked, could I get 100,000 cash out of my account? She said, no. So I said, but if I walk over to one of the girls at the desk there and organize a loan, you could have 100,000 for me by this Absolutely. afternoon, couldn't you? She said, yes. She couldn't give me my money, but they'll lend me money that doesn't exist. So this thing is called leveraging. Right? Yeah. It's the legal term for the banks to get away with charging it on something that doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. If you and I try to sell something that doesn't exist, it's called fraud. Yes. We're locked up. It's incredible, but this is what goes on. But because people are not aware. So the difference, folks, between currency and money, as I said to my son, if I take a piece of Egyptian gold, 4,000 years old, I bring it out today and I go here, is this worth something? Of course it is. That's what money is, not currency. Money always has a value. So I've been buying a lot of silver. I bought mm -hmm. quite a few hundred kilos of it. And once again, I don't take a certificate because once again, we have a thing called leveraging. You know, the banks at one point, I understand, um, are getting close to 100 to 1. So they buy one ounce of gold and they can write 100 certificates of gold, 100 ounces. No, no, no. But there's only one ounce. Yeah, now, we... what happens in a crash when everyone wants their ounce? Yeah, there's yeah, only yeah. one ounce in existence. You've no. been fraudulently sold 99 contracts that never existed. Yeah, totally. But it's called leveraging. It's okay. The government said this is okay. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. It you know, it's like the government is creating an illusion. There is no such thing as government funded anymore. They don't have money. They don't have mm -hmm. assets. They've sold everything. Everything mm -hmm. in this country is taxpayer funded. Uh -huh. Precisely. They're not government funded, but you'll hear the government's funding this project. No, we're yeah, no, funding it. We're funding it. Yeah, absolutely. It's as simple as that. Yeah. But people are very easily tricked into things. You mm -hmm. see, we're, in, we're tricked into believing that our, everything is becoming expensive because that's what people are being told. That's actually not the truth. Can I share with you what the truth is? Because I, did, I shared this to my son when he yeah. was in primary school. Yeah. And I had to go to school and show his mates so that they understood. <clears throat> Excuse me. I took two gold coins and I put them on the table on my left. 
And I said, Sam, 40 years ago, that's an ounce of gold. And I took a $50 note out and I put it down under it. And I said, now this is a $50 note from 40 years ago. Now I said, Sam, the interesting thing is, this ounce of gold would buy you a suit 40 years ago, and this $50 note would buy you a suit 40 years ago. Because everything was cheap, you know. 40 years ago, you could buy a house for $3,000, $4,000. Yeah, yeah, no, it's sorry. A lot different now. So <clears throat> I said, let's move the ounce of gold forward to today. Now, at the time, he was in about grade four, and it was about $1,200. I said, Sam, will that ounce of gold buy you a nice suit? He said, yes, Dad. I said, let's bring the $50 note up. I said, will that buy you a nice suit? And, of course, he was smart and said, Dad, that would probably just buy a, the tie. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, that's right, son. This is mm. what's happening. We think our money, if we think things are becoming expensive. The truth of the matter is our money is becoming worthless. Yes. Because it's yeah. just an illusion. Yeah. What was, you see, the real money is the, is, is the gold. It still has a true value. The current which is what we're dealing with as far as paper money, plastic money, polymer money. As we continue to move into the future, as I said to him, you know, just in 40 years to buy that nice suit now, that $150 note, you now need 20. You'll easily spend $1,000 on a suit. And yeah. as we go another 10 years, that $50 note is going to become so worthless, you're going to need 40 or 50 of them to buy mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what people need to realise. So I've been encouraging people not to save money, but to invest, currency, take currency and turn it into money. Now, yeah, you know, to buy a house... It's a bit useless at this point in time. So. Yeah, because the governments now are printing more and more. So we're going to have more of a pool of money, which is making what we're holding in our wallets now very quickly become devalued. Exactly, yeah. But anyone can go and buy a, a couple of kilos of... You know, a, a kilo of silver is still under twelve hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, I know when I started buying, I was buying it for six hundred dollars a kilo. So so very quickly, you you can you can actually hold wealth and create wealth, and it's real wealth. The other thing is, you're also taking responsibility for yourself. You see, we've become so there's a lot of apathy these days. She'll be right. Leave it to someone else. No. So we'll even leave our financial future to someone, someone else, yeah. who is really going to, you know, the more things that they can move us into over a period of 30 years, each time we move into a new product that we're recommended, there's a reason because they're going to make some money from us. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not all like that, but there are a lot of people. I was in investment business for several years. I got to see what went on on the inside. You know, I got to a point sometimes I couldn't sell something because I knew there were better things out there. Yeah. And I have to go home and sleep at night. And I wanted to go home and sleep at night. And I was actually telling them the truth. I'll do yeah. the best I can for you. And if I couldn't actually match something or make it better, I would say to them, look, I can't help you there. You need to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't seem to happen that much these days. No, it definitely doesn't. And I was going to say to those that are wanting to actually buy gold and silver, where do you, where would you advise them to start to look? Look, there are reputable places around um, without giving free advertising. The main one in this country would be the Perth Mint. Yep. And you can ring and ask the Perth Mint because they will tell you who are, who are quality people that they have agreements with to sell their products through. Hmm. 
So it means yep. I don't have to buy from Perth. I can go to the Gold Coast. I can go to Brisbane. Yep. And from a recommendation from the Perth Mint, um, they they will suggest, look, we've been doing business with this organisation. There's never been a problem. Thank you. Awesome. No, you that's know? awesome. And that can help people. Because in general, most people who are out there these days, unless you're a bank, they're fairly honest. Yes. Cool. Otherwise, they get closed down. I think that's a good thing to, to um, sort of wrap up on because I think financial future is something that a lot of people are struggling with at the moment, especially during COVID. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. People have been on, you know, struggling to find employment. Um, and obviously, you know, their savings are dwindling, et cetera. And so for those that might have a little bit of spare cash, you know, how mm -hmm. can they essentially turn that over into a profit? That's a good thing to think about, you know, different avenues of how to do things rather than how they've been told to do things or how our system's been structured to teach us to do things. So yep. I think look, I'd encourage people. Look, I remember reading a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert good, Kiyosaki. Good old Kiyosaki. <laughs> and excellent. You know, I took just one of his ideas, I took it and I implemented it into my mother's investments. Yep. Now, at the time, we have a thing called cash. They'll tell you, you need to have an amount of cash sitting there. Yeah. Getting 2 or 3%. Yes. So I said to mum's brokers, I said, just tell me, just because something doesn't add up here. If I want to sell some of my mother's shares, because I could, because I was working for her, I said, it's going to take me three to five days to get the money, right? They went, yes. I said, so the, my mum's cash sitting there getting one and a half, two, three percent. If I need to cash that in, it's going to take me three to five days to get the money, right? And they went, yes. So I said, why on earth would you be recommending that my mother keeps cash sitting there getting a lousy two or three percent when we could potentially be getting more? Yep. So very reluctantly, they let me do it. And then I sold a few other things and I managed to put 80,000 into some shares. And in just over two years, she recouped $365,000. Very good stuff. That's what I was going to say as well. Shares. shares you see, now, now I think the share market is a bit of a Ponzi scheme. We are at the mercy because you see the average mum and dad gets to trade from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. The banks, the financial institutions, they get to trade 24 hours a day. Okay, yeah. So usually what people need to realise is that when there's a crash on, it's not the large banks and corporations and investment yeah. insurance companies yeah, totally. that lose. Yeah, it's totally. the mums and dads that pay yeah. for it. Yeah, totally. They buy out of the well. And so it's that that I am cautious these days about because the share market has changed and people won't tell you. You see, up until about 10 years ago or more, we just had shares. You bought a share. If it was $20, you paid $20 for it and you bought the share. Then in the last 12, 15 years, we've had EFTs, electronic trades happening. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things are CFDs. And the CFD stands for a contract for difference. So you buy the CFD, hedging that it's either going to go up or go down. Now, if it goes up, you make money. If it goes down, you have to cover the cost of yeah. the gap. Now, up until then, we didn't have those hundreds of millions of shares in the share market. Now, they are in the share market every day, and our share market has become so volatile Yet people do not understand that. 
They just believe it's like it's always been. You buy shares, if they're good, hang on to them, put them in the bottom drawer, and in 10 years' time, you'll make some money when you sell. That's not how it necessarily is these days because the market has changed. But our perception and understanding has not kept up with the change. That's often our struggle through life. Things change, but our perception and our understanding doesn't change. You see, our whole, our whole world, I believe that we need to be much more about what we do on the planet. It's to think that we are the ones controlling the earth. We are like fleas <laughs> on a dog's back. If people only had smaller egos, they would come back to reality. You know, it's now been proven through deep ice drilling that we have had more than 60 ice ages, which means the planet is constantly going through climate change. Yeah, precisely. It's not something that we just came up with 20 years ago. Yeah, we finally caught up with it 20 years ago and put yeah. a label on it. Because how I can we have 60 ice ages? Evolutionary part. Like Mother Earth knows what she's doing. She's of course. not. Yeah, absolutely. And, but you see, it's our arrogance and our ignorance. See, it's ignorance again. It's what's sweeping the world at the moment and causing us problems. That we think we are so powerful and so great that we influence all of this. We have an effect on this. But trust me, the earth will still be here long after we're all gone. You the sure planet's been here for billions of years before us. Uh -huh. We are, like I said, fleas on a dog's back annoying the hell out of it. And hopefully we're going to wake up to ourselves and become aware and less arrogant and ignorant. And we will start to actually work with like other cultures in the past. You know, we look at some of these other cultures. They have no jails. They have no crime. They have enough food for the village. They support each other. They love and they're there for each other. And we have the arrogance and ignorance to call them primitive. Yeah. We are the ones who are primitive. primitive. We are the ones who have gone backwards. We yeah. are the ones who have lost our connection to the universe, to nature. Yes. And you've just got to look around every day for living proof. You know, it broke my heart recently when we had fires that devastated this country. And I saw one day a guy who was sobbing his eyes out putting a post out on Facebook, angry as all hell. Where the hell are the people who carry on all the time about the planet and nature? He said, I've been walking around here trying to save, find animals to save and having to spend all day shooting animals to put them out of their misery. He no. said, why am I the only one out here? Where are all those people who get up on a soapbox and say they're here for the planet and we're here for the animals and we're here for that? What a load of BS. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, your actions speak louder than words. And sadly, you ask many of those people in the big cities, how many of them came out to the country to see about what they could do around rescuing these animals? Do something. I can tell you. Pretty well zero people came out and did anything. And that's the true reality that we face. See, we don't have to look far to see about how successful or how, how much we're failing. Like, it's yeah. in our face. Thanks. But it's willful ignorance 
not ignorance, but willful ignorance, when we know something's going on and we turn a blind eye and we walk away. That's mm. our problem. And it's that happening every day. It does, especially here in Australia. I feel like we are an ignorant society and we'd love to be out ignorant as well. You know, I was at a supermarket recently and someone was sharing with me that a fight broke out between two people for some reason. Did you know he had to leave his shop to go and break it up? Everyone, he said there were 20, 30 people standing around with their phones videoing. No, don't get me started on this culture. Like, how, how ignorant phone. is that? Here is someone, we need to stop this so that people can actually communicate. You know, I'll just share with you one thing that was a big life changer a year or so ago when I worked out something, and it was mm -hmm. in relation to my anger. You see, I've realised that there are only three things going on when I get angry, and anyone who's listening to this can put this to the test for themselves. Firstly, mm -hmm. someone is not doing what I want them to do. Someone is not saying, this is the second one, someone's not saying what I want them to say. And the third one is someone is not doing anything in relation to the assumption that I had uh, yeah. that, they sh that they should be responding to me. Yeah. That's it. If people can understand that, you are going to start taking control over your emotions, especially anger. Now, a few weeks after I'd even shared this with my son, who once again is this, he doesn't know it, but he's one of my biggest fans and teachers. I came in and his room was messy and all the rest of it. So by the time I got to the kitchen, he could tell that I, my energy was starting to shift. And the first thing he was able to remind me of was he said to me, Dad, I can tell something's up. What is it that I'm not saying? What is it that I'm not doing? Yeah, you said this. What is it, you know? And it was so powerful because it brought me straight back to, once again, what the truth was. See, the mm -hmm. truth will set us free. That's, for me, and I can't find anything else that really sets me off. Yeah, it's that's me funny. not getting what I want. Want, yeah. Get over it. And that's what I have to tell myself. I have my son <laughs> telling me, get over it, Dad. And he's right, because I need to get over it. It's my problem. But what do I want to do? I want to actually make someone else responsible. You know, and, and I hear people on a counselling, getting back to the counselling stuff again, when I was sharing with you before that everything is going on on the inside of us and we're in full control. Yeah. How many times do I hear, you know, she makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. What I've realised now is here's another lie that we're telling ourselves. The truth of the matter is no one else is controlling any of your emotions but you. So yeah. someone on the outside is doing something you don't like? Okay. But what do we do? We take it inside and we internalise it because that's where we're going to do it. We're going to think about it. We're going to let the emotions come up. Anger's going to come up. I'm in control of all of this but I'm now going to take away my responsibility and ownership and I'm going to blame you for making me angry. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. You can't get angry at anybody else other than it all. Yourself. Them from inside, yeah. Yeah. Internal. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, but the thing is, that's what we need to learn because most people don't realise that because we're always blaming someone on the outside. He did, she did. He said, she said, you made me. Mm, mm, I'm not sure not about really. that. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know. Reflective, very reflective, very yeah. reflective, Tony. Very it reflective. It's been a um, been a. Sorry, I think we should finish up here. Just because oh, I think we should. 
been people an hour have a life. People have a life. <laughs> no, no, no. I just don't know if, yeah, well, well, yeah, people do have a life, but it's been an insightful conversation. And honestly, we could probably talk all day, I know, between us two. Um, well, we can do that too another day. <laughs> we always do anyway. We always do anyway. <laughs> um, but. I just wanted to, I guess, if we could sum up one thing that you really want the audience, and look, you've dropped so many golden nuggets that I'm sure the audience has taken away plenty from this. But if you could just sum up just maybe a key point of what you really want people to think about, you know, and take away from this episode and take away from what we've shared here today, what would it be? The truth is, if we could just be more loving and kind to ourselves. Our whole world will change and the people who are closest to it will also benefit. We can all benefit from having a more kind and loving environment. We can all benefit from having more kind and loving communication. You know, just to hold a wish that the people who I love experience love and kindness is more powerful and will do far more for anyone in their life than me holding negative, depressing, angry, spiteful, hateful. You know, we need to actually take control. What are we creating with the energy that we have? Because everything is energy. Even our thoughts. Our thoughts, the, to me, the universal, our thoughts are created on the universal language of sound and color. Both of those things are a vibration. Everything is a vibration. So what is your vibration and what are you creating with your vibration? And to me, it comes back to those two powerful things, being loving and kind. I love that. Thank you so much, Tony, for being a guest. I really appreciate it. You've been absolutely amazing. I'm sure there'll be a part two. For anybody that is interested in learning more about Tony or finding him and his services, do you want to maybe tell them where where they can find Well, they can contact you and then you can just flick them my way. That's probably the easiest. No, yeah. they can contact you directly, Tony. This is free advertising for you, so I take All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. They can send me they can send me an email to my business name is Change Your Mind. It's actually Change Your Mind and Keep It. But the email is changeyourmind at westnet.com.au. Um, preferably, I actually am much better. I, I want to talk to people. So my contact mobile number is 0410591118. And I would prefer to actually speak to people because then I get the chance to actually, we can have a small conversation which can very quickly give me an idea of what's going on for people. I okay. find texting is very limited. There's no emotion and often we can sometimes not even fully grasp what someone's wanting to share. Very, very true. No, I would agree with that. And that's very generous of you. And for anybody else that is interested, please take up the offer. Tony is absolutely wonderful at what he does. He's definitely helped me a lot and he will continue to, I'm not sure. And yeah, I'm sure, sorry. And all the people that he does help as well. So if you are interested, please feel free to contact him and yeah, till next time. Uh, but thank you very much, Tony, for being a guest and we'll chat soon. And thank you for having me and thank you to your listeners for being there. It's been fantastic and I look forward to more in the future. Thanks, Alicia. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon. You have a beautiful rest of your day too. Thank you. you. Too.
I will. I will. All right. I'll speak to you okay. soon. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Bye.